Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Good morning, everybody. I regard it as a, a wonderful privilege to be here, and Stella and I value Steve and Janet's friendship and their input into the church back home. I'm very aware that it's been conference week, and so there are some of you that are starting to feel a bit churched out, and tonight is the last and final and greatest day of the feast, and it would be wonderful if we can gather fresh and full of anticipation, and so I want to be um, as clean and crisp and clear as what I can be. But I also feel I have a deposit for you. Been working with some stuff for the best part of the year back home. And I'm hoping to give you a deposit of what has come, come together far, more, far less tidily back home. You know, when you're working through things as a church, you, you're seeing a little bit at a time and you're putting it in place. And so I'm able to look back on a couple of months and hopefully give you a download of a deposit that will encourage you and that you can choose through and think through uh, in the months that lie ahead. And depending on where we end up in the time, um, Dave, perhaps we could have you guys back at the end, but I'm not sure. Let's just take it a moment, at, um, at a step at a time, moment at a time. So Father, we ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, would do what only you can do. And that this would be a spirit-to-spirit revelation, word, life transaction. And that you would take us beyond all of the distractions of life, uh, any sort of physical tiredness, anything else that is happening. And that the next while would just be in the sweet spot of your life, in the power of your spirit, according to your word. We agree together, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 is the planting of the church in Ephesus. And Paul had wanted to plant this church a while before getting there. Acts chapter 16, he's on his way to Macedonia. He's not sure where he's going. And he wants to go to the Roman province of Asia. He wants to go and preach in Ephesus. And the Holy Spirit won't let him go because it's not time. And then finally we get into Acts chapter 19. It is time. And Paul comes into town and it says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. This was John the baptizer who was the... um, forerunner to Jesus. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began prophesying in tongues, speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Huge church. Uh, But notice how he just gets some foundational things in place. Clear identity co-crucified, co-buried, co-raised in Christ, baptized, clear witness to the truth of your new identity. 
hands laid on, filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues. This is Christianity 101, right at the beginning, just getting the foundation good. And he entered the synagogue, verse 8, and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. And once, when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew with them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. It was a lecture hall, a school, hired the hall. This continued for two years, and then here is the sweet spot of where we want to be. So that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And he goes on, uh, Luke in Acts goes on to describe the extraordinary miracles that took place. But just think for a moment. Group of people get together in the lecture hall of Tyrannus every day. They're worshiping, they're praying, they're proclaiming the word. And out of those meetings in one place in Ephesus, an entire Roman province hears the word. It's extraordinary. Many, many churches were planted out of those meetings. Not because Paul traveled to plant the church, but because Holy Spirit was busy amongst the people as they gathered. And they stepped into a place of authority together in the Lord that literally shook an entire province. If you read the first few chapters of the book of the Revelation, letters are written to seven churches. That's a cluster of churches in the Lycos Valley, all in this Roman province. That entire work came out of the daily meetings in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Now, this has captivated me. It's the simplest way to put it. If you read through the book of Acts, many churches are planted. And there are three around whom the story really revolves. The first is the church in Jerusalem. And you see the extraordinary life that they work out together, filled with the Spirit, the care for one another. Not a needy person amongst them. Uh, an alternative society begins to grow. They, they, are, they are magnificent at standing for Christ in a hostile environment. They are magnificent at caring for one another. They are rubbish at mission. And so persecution comes along, and the saints scatter far and wide. And a group of these saints, go and read the account, a group of these saints go further than everybody else, not in geography, but in their understanding of the gospel. And they preach the gospel not just to other Jews, but they, they preach gospel, the gospel to Greeks, to Gentiles. And so when the Antioch church is established, it's established as a breakthrough people. Because it's the first really strong multicultural church. And you find guys there from all over. There are folks there from North Africa. It's wonderful to, to, tr uh, to track Africa's history through the Gospels and through the book of Acts. We've got to, we were right there at the start, folks. And, um, and you read you read about the Antioch church, and that is where apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, elders, deacons, mission, church planting, uh, giving into mission really took root for the first time. And I've spent most of my life in an Antioch-type church, and I know enough about your background that Antioch and the rhythms of Antioch of where we've lived, that I'd like to suggest that when Paul planted Ephesus, he gave us something more to aspire to as a people. Because there was the Ephesian church that worked out a dominance in 
the atmosphere and over a region and began to dictate. Not because it said, we are something special and we're going to dictate. But they gathered in the gospel and they did what they knew how to do and God raised them up. And so go and read Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, and begin to understand the position that this people occupied together. And that's what I'm starting to feel for. So here come a couple of metaphors for you. Um, and if you're a note taker, you're going to have a lot of fun. Here's the first one. You are a puzzle piece. And in order to live your life in fullness, you need to locate yourself on the box lid. And what you see on your box lid dictates how you will live. If your box lid is you and your family or you and your job, your box lid is tiny, your, your thinking and your living will be small. But here's the great news. The Lord has given us a box lid. And so I'm hoping that out of this morning you'll start to adjust your view of the box lid. And when you look at yourself as a puzzle piece, you'll start to fit yourself in to the right picture. Because the box lid is the masterpiece of heaven in Christ Jesus. And so when you and I build a puzzle, we always start by building the border first. Because we think in very finite terms. When we're working with God's puzzle, we start at the center. Because it is ever increasing. And as we zoom in on this picture, and I'm going to use Revelation 4 and 5 just to anchor it in the word for you. But as we zoom in on the box lid, right in the center is Jesus. The lamb who is a lion, exalted to the highest place, ruling over all things. And we make a slight adjustment to the lens. And we click out slightly. When we see, but, but he's there as part of the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rule supreme in beautiful community, in beautiful unity. And then we make another adjustment, another click on the lens, and we zoom out slightly, and we start to see the heavenly hosts. And there are the four living creatures, and there are the hosts of heaven, and the, the archangels, and the cherubim, and the seraphim, and you can go and do the whole study if you want to color in the picture. But surrounding the throne are the hosts of heaven. And, uh, and there's the most incredible worship going on all the time. And you know that the song of heaven changed. The song of heaven was holy, holy, holy. Until the lamb who is a lion walked onto center stage. And the song changed from holy to worthy. And he became the one who captivated all things. And so we see the angelic hosts and they're worshiping and we hear the music, we hear the song and we, we adjust the lens again and we step it out just a little bit and surrounding the heavenly hosts are what the author to the Hebrews calls the cloud of witnesses. All of those who've gone before us and they are gathered around the throne and they are from all nations because his inheritance is the nation's. And they are gathered around the throne and they are worshiping. And when we think about this picture, and you've read it and you've heard sermons on it. When we think about this picture, we mistakenly think about it as a destination. 
And when we die, we go and join them. But the story tells us that they are coming to join us. This is God's redemptive community. And they're not a passive destination. Because what they are busy with is the restoration of all things. The scripture begins to speak of new heavens and a new earth. The scripture speaks of all things in heaven and on earth and under the earth having been reconciled to God in Christ. And so this is a purposeful community. It's got vision. It's got purpose. What is it doing? Well, it's doing two things. It's glorifying God and it's restoring all things to Him. book of Ephesians puts it this way. book of Ephesians says that it's all to the praise of His glorious grace and it's to unite. His will, Father's will in Christ was to unite all things in Him. And so now we adjust the lens. We do another click. And as it moves out one more step, we not only have Jesus and the Godhead and the heavenly hosts and the great cloud of witnesses, but right there is us, you and I. We are there. Because we are the extension of that eternal, purposeful, redemptive community. I'm going to throw a few at you. Here's just a taster. We know that the building is not the church. People say you are the church. It's not true. We are the church. The church is by definition corporate. I will never be the church. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, but without you, I'm not the church. But we come together as the church and we become the church when we are joined to something that is heavenly and eternal and transcendent and so far beyond ourselves. Church is not about what happens here on earth. Church is about that glorious box lid manifesting here on earth. On earth. Okay. I'm preaching to the converted. That is wonderful. And so we've got to get our brains around a few things. When we gather, we gather as a spiritual reality. We are not like the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are not like a temple for Him to inhabit. We are a temple that He does inhabit. Jesus said when we gather, He is in our midst. We encounter Him together in ways we do not encounter Him alone. He has granted His presence to His people together in ways that none of us will ever know Him alone. It's important that you have a rich relationship with Him in your own right. But when we gather, we become part of something transcendent. You get it. When we gather and there's militancy in the air, we walk in the authority of heaven. When we gather as the bride... And there is intimacy in the air. We gather in the glorious love relationship of His eternal bride. We gather in that union. And so when we walk in here on a Sunday morning, we are not walking in to a natural or earthly unfolding chain of events, set of, of practices, liturgy. 
we are gathering to be together in heavenly places where we belong. We've got to get this clear in our hearts, folks. It took most of us years to get it clear about ourselves as individuals. I am in Christ. I'm no longer a sinner. I am a saint. Uh, It's not as if God looks at me and there's a trick in the light and I appear righteous because he looks at me through the blood of Christ. You know, some sort of spiritual kaleidoscope. No, he has made me righteous. I am righteous. I am in Christ. Christ is in me. I am a new creation. I'm not hoping to be one. I am one. In the same way as we have to get to grips with that as individuals. And when we do, it frees us and it strengthens us and it it catapults us into growth and into vision and into life. And uh, we become something indestructible takes place. No matter how badly we get bashed, there's a buoyancy because we are in him and he's in us. In the same way as that happens to an individual, when we begin to understand that the church is part of something heavenly, and it is fundamentally, by definition, a heavenly institution, we will begin to behave differently. We'll walk into Sunday mornings differently because we're not walking into a meeting. We're, we're walking into a gathering together of the called out ones, the ecclesia, those who belong to Him. And we're meeting with one another, but we're meeting in the context of this box lid. And I find my life in the context of this box lid. You got it. If you want a, a thought there, it's Alice and the Narnia 4. Alice fell down a rabbit hole. And she discovered a world she never knew existed. The Narnia four stepped through the back of a cupboard. And they found themselves in a world they never knew existed. You and I receive revelation from the scriptures. And as we see it, the door opens. And we are able to step into worlds most people can't see. Try and tell your neighbor he doesn't get it. But you're not going to church to sing a bit and listen a bit and put a bit of money in the offering and have a cup of coffee. You're going to church to gather, not with the people of God, but as the people of God, with God. As the community of heaven on earth. And all of heaven gathers with us. This is mind-blowing and wonderful and simple and true. So you ready for some more? Rugby is on everybody's lips. Some have said, some have said that the church is like a rugby match. A couple of exhausted people, desperately in need of a rest, are being watched by hundreds or thousands of people desperately in need of exercise. And, and we take their point. But it's a bit of a red herring. Because the reality is there's only so much space on the platform. You can only have so many people leading worship every Sunday. You can only be one person on the microphone at a time. So even if we recruit more people to do more stuff, hopefully the crowd is always going to be bigger than the whackers on a Sunday morning. Okay, all right. So someone else says, no. This is a rugby match, but the game really takes place Monday to Saturday. You know, 
Sunday is locker room time where we strategize and we equip and we put plasters on and we rub in the deep heat, we pour the orange juice, and then on Monday the church really gets out on the field. And again, we take their point. We do want Sundays to be equipping and we do want Christians to be living full out for Jesus seven days a week. But that whole rugby team analogy, and I think for many of us it's how we think about church. And when we come to church, we're in the stands, we're in the bleachers, we're in the seats. That whole thing doesn't fit with where we've just been in Scripture. Because where we've just been in Scripture says that when we gather, every single one of us has an essential part to play in the proceedings. And so the worship team is serving the gathering, and the ushers are serving the gathering. And I praise the Lord for the ladies who make the coffee. They are serving the gathering. And may you serve the gathering well. But the real deal stuff is what we all do. Not just the people on the platform, but what we all do. So now imagine, let me help you turn your brain around a little. Imagine you're at the rugby match. And suddenly the whistle goes, the ref stops play, and everybody on the field turns around and looks up into the stands. Because that's where the important stuff is happening. Because that's what we're learning. Huh? The important stuff is happening. Every single one of us are part of the body of Christ. You can't just attend church. My arm doesn't attend my body. It's just it's, it's gobbledygook. The bricks in the wall don't attend the wall. So we've got to stop. We, the leaders, need to stop treating you, the congregation, like spectators or attendees or participants. But what do we expect you to do? It's a good question, eh? <laughs> if, if the real stuff is really supposed to happen in the stands, what are you supposed to be doing in the stands? Absolutely, 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 absolutely. And I'm going to give you your job description. And it's a job description that's valid right through the week, but I'm going to give you your Sunday morning job description just now. But I've got one more bit of background to do before we get there. And this is with thank you to um, a gentleman by the name of N.T. Wright. He's Nicholas Thomas Wright. He's an Anglican clergyman. I'm sure Steve knows him well. Um, N.T. is not for New Testament, although he's a New Testament scholar. Um, and I just, I just l love his stuff. And he would speak of what it means to be human. What is the human vocation? What did God have in mind when he made us? And you know, we were created as image bearers of God. And our humanity and the purpose of our humanity showed up for the first time in a garden. And it had to do with gathering all under our care, all under our delegated authority, gathering all of that in the praise of His glory. And the Scripture says that if we won't praise Him, the rocks will. So all of creation, everything we are responsible for, praises the Lord. And everything under our care is brought under His governance, is placed in order according to Him. And so that's 
that's what we see when we look at the redemptive community. That's what we see in the garden at the beginning of the book. And hey, that's what we see in the garden at the end of the book with the last Adam, where all things are to the praise of his glory and all things are in order under his governance. So remember those two things? We spoke about them in Ephesians and we linked them to the church in Ephesus where we started. Those two keys describe what all of life should be about. It's not complicated. When I get up in the morning, I live my life for the praise of His glory. And I live my life to bring anything about me or around me under His governments, into His order. It's not complicated. very simple. Okay. So, let's start to think about your job description. Your uh, spiritual reality as a church and... You are that 24-7. We are the bride of Christ 24-7. We are the body of Christ 24-7. And we recognize that it's important to gather. And when we gather, we gather as a spiritual reality. We gather as an extension of the redemptive community in heaven. And the big idea is that it's to the praise of His glory and that it brings everything under His governance. And so what could that look like from your seat? Are you ready? This is so simple. Please don't be insulted. Think it through. Number one, when we gather, we gather to believe. We have been instructed to believe. And did you know that we are even called believers? But have you watched us? Someone gets healed and someone else says, that's unbelievable. <laughs> it, it's, it's as if in the very fabric of our flesh we are able to nurture unbelief. But when we come together, our great privilege is believing together, releasing our faith and stepping into believing together. And let me tell you, if one puts a thousand to flight and two puts two thousand to flight, what happens when a church gets it, that we gather in faith. We gather believing. Because when we believe, what are we doing? We are operating in the unseen realm. We are going through the rabbit hole. We are going through the back of the cupboard. We are going into that world that people who are not born again cannot see. But that is our eternal reality. Jesus on the throne, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, heavenly hosts, the redeemed, the cloud, great cloud of witnesses and believers, hundreds of millions of believers right across the earth. And we are uniting our hearts and minds with them. We are coming to believe. And do you know how you build in the Spirit? You build in the Spirit by agreement. Someone says something and someone else agrees. The yes and the amen. I could take some time to unpack it for you. Even under the, the old covenant with the reading of the law, there would be the, the reading of the law and then the people echoing it. The yes and the amen. The, we agree, we agree, we agree. And I want to encourage you 
And you're not, you're not bad. You're a responsive people. I want to encourage you to take what you're already doing and put it on steroids when it comes to agreement and verbal agreement. And you know, if you get used to responding verbally, your body starts to follow. You can't say, hallelujah, like you mean it without doing something with your body. And so if you can just get people's mouths open, and you know, so much of spiritual life is word. It's spoken. And so when, when whoever starts the meeting says, come on, let's praise the Lord. Instead of landing your conversation and finishing your coffee, which is to not agree, to sit down and read the bulletin is to disagree. When the person leading the meeting says, come on, let's all praise the Lord. What does agreement look like? Yes, let, yeah, let's go. Come on, brothers and sisters, let's lift our voices. Yeah, what does agreement look like? Oh, I'm really tired. Oh, man. That's, that's what disagreement looks like. You understand? It's not active disagreement, but it's not active agreement. And so now you learn when you're praying, when you're blessing people. I watched Steve when he wanted to just commend the life group. He had to work hard to get you to agree. But if you learn to agree as a people, when you're encouraging people, you unleash a tidal wave of encouragement. When you're praying for the sick, you unleash a tidal wave of faith. During the preaching, preaching is not listening. The foolishness of preaching is God's appointed way of disseminating the seed of His Word. And if you get that, you start to move in agreement. You lock in on the guy. You're agreeing. You're nodding. You're supporting. You, you, you're, on, you're engaged. You know, preaching is not what the guy on the platform does. It's preaching time, and it's what we as a body together do. You get it? And you want to massage this thing into every part of your life. If it's prophesying, there's one person giving the prophetic word. But everybody is smacking this thing down the fairway as hard as they can. In agreement. They're just giving themselves to receiving, to responding, to agreeing, to proclaiming, to echoing. Uh, whether you're interceding, whether you're praising, whether you're preaching, whether you're prophesying, whether you're giving, whether you're loving on one another, whether you're breaking bread, there's just an intentionality. We have been, we gather together to believe. I'm not a passive participant. I'm not a consumer. I'm, you can take this back if you don't agree with it. Get up afterwards and correct me. We've got to break consumerism in the church. Sunday morning is not about you. If you stay away next Sunday, I don't think you'll miss much. You're going to be okay, but we'll be poorer. Stay away for three weeks, it starts to knock on your door. Stay away for a month, you get the point. It's not about the law of attendance, but the harvest my family have reaped out of being part of the church is because we've been part of the church for 30 years, man. It's not about what I got out of Sunday. It's what I've got out of living with the people of God. I've got a daughter newly married. She's not churched at the moment. But as a couple, they fall on the Lord when there's trouble. 
And they rejoice in the Lord when there's life. And I trust that she will be churched. And I encourage her all the time. Because what being part of the body of Christ does is it gives your life context. It gives this little puzzle piece a place to live. And so it's not about, I didn't get anything out of Sunday. It's about, Sunday's not about you. If you're thinking about yourself when you come through the door, you've got a wrong paradigm. Sunday is about Him and about others, and I come to give. And as I give, I reap rich reward. I wake up one day and say, look what God has done. Isn't He good? But it's not this transactional thought around Sunday mornings. We've got to break through that barrier so that we recognize I'm here for others. I'm here for others, I'm here for His purposes, and I'm here for others. So, first part of the job description is to believe. Second part of the job description is to love other people. And that is the culture of the Godhead. This wonderful community that started it all and into which we have been invited functions on love. And this is not a superficial idea. This is a profound idea. You see, love submits, love honors, love conquers, love prefers, love yields, love is not looking for mistakes, it keeps no record of wrongs, love, love is, there's a consistency to love, there's, yeah, there's a peace seeking of love, uh, and so what happens when you walk through the door, in, start in the parking lot, right, I'm yet to believe. I'm here to love others. So I'm intentional. I'm welcoming others. I'm sensitive to others. I'm looking to see who's got a smile on their face that I can rejoice with them. I'm looking to see who's, who's obviously not got a smile on their face so that I can comfort them. I'm sensitive if they give me the stay away, give them a little squeeze and I stay away. I don't dig my way in out of morbid curiosity. Um, uh, you, you get the point. But now... Now, I'm not coming to church in self-awareness. But I'm aware of the Lord and I'm aware of my brothers and sisters. I'm aware of another agenda. I'm going to immerse myself in another agenda. You know, when I, when I get home, I'm going to be so built up. I'm going to be so encouraged. But I didn't come to get encouraged. I came to give myself away. You understand? I came to lay down my life. You get the point? And so, your first your number one job description is to believe. And flowing out of that faith and that connection is to love others. Because you, you're believing with the faith He's given you. And you're loving with the love you've received. But you're intentional, man. The, the number of times I've visited churches, and it doesn't happen here. The number of times I've visited churches that I can get in and out without being greeted. And personally, I don't count ushers as greeting. I think you've got to hire someone to say hello to me. It's not an accurate reflection of a heart. What I really want to know is if you think I'm welcome. Not if the okay on duty says I am. You, now, don't you get the point? That it's something that becomes part of the heart of the church, man. And it's not for somebody. It's for everybody. And then the third one. Third part of your, your job description. We're believing. We're loving one another. 
Third part of the job description is you, you're bringing the kingdom. But I want to use different words so that you can hear what I mean. Of course, bringing the kingdom starts with putting your own life in order, in the power of the Spirit, according to His Word. We want to live submitted to our Lord. We want to live lives that please Him. And of course, bringing the kingdom has a discipleship dynamic to it where we are enabling and encouraging others to bring the kingdom in their lives, to bring their lives to order. According to His Word in the power of the Spirit. In it together. But we're part of a redemptive community who is restoring all things. And so bringing the kingdom is not just about my own heart and mind and the stewardship of my own life. It's not just about the investment that I make in you. But it's the investment I'm willing to make in every other man and woman I come into contact with. Because we were created as image bearers. Image bearers. And we were recreated as image bearers. And it has been entrusted to the image bearers to bring the kingdom. And so praise God for the Muslims who have dreams and who are um, you know, supernaturally saved without anybody talking to them. They are exceptions. The norm is that a Christian finds you and shares their faith. And then the Lord sends another and the Lord sends another. And somewhere a seed takes root and begins to grow. And you find your way to faith. And our world is ripe and our country is ripe to see people saved. Everything is shaking. And that is a wonderful time to bring men and women to the only secure foundation. And we, folks, we have to break through this not going to do this to you but if I had to say how many of you were born again into this congregation most churches very few hands go up because most people in churches came to those churches already Christian and it was about preference or you know, let's, let's be gracious the leadership of the spirit or circumstance but it wasn't because they met the Lord and I, I long for the day where back home I say, how many of you found the Lord here? And more hands go up than don't. Because we are reaching people. And so I, I just long for us back home. For us, when we get to point number three, we call point number three catching men. And I want to put the challenge before you that you become Believers who gather to believe. That you become the people of God who gather to love one another intentionally. That you don't think about yourselves. You think about others. You think about the house. And that you become a soul winning church. Why not? Don't have time this morning. But the only obstacle is between our heads. Between our, yeah. This is where the trouble is. Jesus said that the harvest is ripe. And we, for 2,000 years, we've disagreed with him. He took a handful of men and he said, I'm going to teach you to catch men. And they were so successful that they caught thousands. And I'm asking him to teach us. 
because I want to be part of catching thousands. So there are many different ways to express that. I know for Steve and for this house, point three is make disciples. The Great Commission is our commission. That's your language. I'm just stretching you. I'm just saying catch men is the same sort of language. Bringing in the harvest is the same thing. Um, be his witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. It's the same big idea. There are huge themes in Scripture. And there are very few groups of Christians that are doing it well. Why not us? Why not catch men? This is for free. I regard a court man as having been reconciled to God, reconciled to the people of God, and reconciled to destiny. Walking in the ways of God, doing what God has called him to be. A court man has been reconciled to God, been reconciled to the people of God. In a tangible way, he's walking with other Christians. And he's walking in the good works prepared in advance for him to do. He's a man of destiny. He's serving the Lord, man. And anybody who's, who's outside of that, he's go fishing for him. Oh, can I, how am I going on time? How much trouble am I in? Okay. You know, we, we, we interpret Scripture through our culture. And so we try and fish with rod and line. And so we try and fish by baiting the hook, making it attractive. The gospel is a net, people. We proclaim the gospel, and the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And when we speak it, we know that in that seed is life eternal. It's a different dynamic. We've got to stop trying to attract them. Because then when something happens that is unattractive, then they walk away. And look, let's be attractive. You get my point. We're fishing because of what Jesus has done, man. Not because our church is lacquer, but because he's worthy. It's different. It's a different thing. You netting, yeah. Okay, I think, I think I'm done with one more point. And then should we, for five minutes, should we have a go and just get into agreement? But, but hang on, let me give you the last point. That, now that is faith. You see, that was, that's, that's, the, that's the stuff. That's this thing. You know, don't pretend. Don't wind it up. We don't want to crank it up. When it's, when it's not authentic, it's sickening. But when it comes from the heart, man, we just give ourselves to it. Unstoppable force. Two fried eggs from everybody. Come on, give me your eyes. Make contact. Let's do some preaching together. Let's do some preaching together. We are a people who are co-heirs with Christ. We have an inheritance with Him and in Him, and He has an inheritance in us. And one of the best shadows of that in the Bible is the nation of Israel coming out of Egypt and going into the promised land. And those were two distinct actions of the Lord. They came out and they went in. We have come out. We have been delivered of our sin. We have been made righteous. We have been set free. We have been reconciled to God. Hallelujah. I have come out. When they came out, they came out as individuals. The families had to put the blood on the doorpost for themselves. You and I came out as individuals. When Israel went in, they went in together. 
it's time for us to go in together. The fullness that we long for in Christ is ours together. The scripture is clear. No one has it all. I carry a gift of healing. Is it for me to be well or for you to be well? It's for you to be well. I carry my gifts for you and you carry your gifts for me. And when we bring our diversity together and we bring ourselves out of passivity and we bring ourselves out of the natural, we bring ourselves into biblical paradigm. We go through the back of the cupboard. We go through the rabbit hole. We lay hold of the revelation. We walk into it together. We walk into a fullness that was never there when we were just a bunch of people walking together alone. You get it? And that's the shift. So we've been massaging it into the congregation back home. And so now when there's a sniff of life in the meeting, like 80% of them go for it because they're getting it. It's what we do together. They're starting to get it. And I think we should just do a quick practice. Okay. So let's use Waymaker. We, we, we generously twist songs to our own purposes quite happily. And let's just do a bit of decreeing and declaring and prophesying over Pine Town. Come on, man. You, you've been here for 30 years. You're not nobody. Okay, the highway area is what you call it. So you guys are going to have to come and help me. I'm going to start the party, but it's not my party. Okay. And so we use the song. And what are we doing? We, we're not just talking about way maker who makes a way everywhere in every way because he does. We're saying you, you're highways, way maker. We're attaching. You're a miracle worker. You are highway area miracle worker. And, and then... You can, you can bind it, you can loose it, you can whistle, you can shout, you can... I, I don't know how Steve feels. I don't mind if the theology just gets a little bit blurry in the enthusiasm. Because what I'm looking for is people who believe. That's what I'm looking for. So come on, stand with me. Stand with me. Dave, I don't want to get in your way. But Father, this stuff in our own strength is like supporting the spring box. Just not enough tries get scored. But this stuff in Jesus' name and this stuff in the power of the Spirit and atmospheres shift, regions change, people who are hard to the gospel start to soften. Crime decreases. People who once served the Lord come back. Everything changes. Now if you're near the back, take two steps forward. Just... You understand what I'm trying to say to you. I'm not trying to manipulate your body. I'm trying to bring everybody into the same thing. And the gift of tongues is given us so that we can just let loose. And as people pray, pray as people declare, in a few minutes I'm going to give you guys the microphone. If the Lord gives you a word or a prayer, don't come and do the whole story and the whole backstory. Keep it crisp because there are more people coming. But let's agree. We lift a shout of agreement. We join our hearts together. 
Father, I'm asking you that you would lead this family of God just into a new season. New season of agreement, a new season of the release of love. And that you'd let them catch men. Just bring it onto the front burner, Lord, that we would see the fruit. Thank you, Lord. Am I, only, am I the only one feeling like we're stepping up as a church? There's just, there's a shift. There's a shift taking place in the atmosphere. It's been coming for some time now, but I feel like we're not going to be talking about the one day, we're going to be talking about the this day. Other shifters, yeah. Take it now. Take it now. Agree with him. So come on. The, come the on, change agree is with coming. Him. We're stepping up. I, I wanted to jump up here because I'm stepping forward and I'm stepping up. And you are stepping up and you are, we are, we are stepping forward in the city, in this town, in this highway area. And we're going to say, God with you, nothing is impossible because... You are the way maker, the miracle yes. worker. Feel the anointing. You are. Feel the anointing increasing. Light of the nation, Lord. Feel the construct in the spirit building. We are interceding here this morning. Yes. Yeah. Light maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. We declare on the highway. We declare over the highway area right now. You are. opportunity to agree with a prophetic word. Are you ready? Amen. I saw this beautiful wooden rough, uh, sorry, a rough door that was a dark wood and it was softened from many people having touched the door. There were no splinters in the door. It was a massive door but it was actually at the end of this huge wooden cross and in the door there was a keyhole but there were no keys in the hole because Jesus has the keys of eternal life and he has given us the keys of the kingdom. And I could see a bright shining light through the door and we just had to push the door in order to get into his presence. So that was my love. Oh no, this is incredible. It's just incredible. I saw a door. I saw big wooden doors. And I saw it bursting open. And it just, it burst open. And I saw crowds and crowds of young people coming into the church. And just being what they have to be in church. I just, it's just amazing. And no, it's not unbelievable. It's believable. We both saw doors. Amen. 
our church about um, Easter last year, I was driving through Pantown and I felt God say to me so clearly, I'm lifting the shame off of Pantown. And I just saw this like huge cloud lifting and this light streaming in through Pantown, that Pantown would be a light not just to the Durban area, but to the world. And I felt like poverty is going to come to an end in our, in our city. Drugs are just going to come to an end. Racial discrimination is going to come to an end. And that this city is going to be such a light to the world as the shame is lifted. And we speak, we use our mouth to declare what God has for our city. I saw a white heart and a millions of people walking into it. A bright white heart is what I saw. And millions of people walking into it, black and white. Everybody just walking into it. And a very, very tall person standing and just looking over the people. That is what I saw. Amen. Sorry, I saw our leaders of this church stepping up. And I felt that God said there's a sign of agreement. Step up. Come up on the station. Let's worship us. Worship our Lord. Come on, let's come on. Anybody. Anybody. Come. Step up. Folks, keep it verbal. Keep it verbal. Get into the habit of agreeing. There's a verse in the Bible where Moses says there will come a time where you will not look to the sky or to the seas but know that the answer is here right now inside of all of us the time is now alright okay well, let's declare this together now you are well, maker Spiritual worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Yes, Lord, yes, you Lord. are. I want no, don't, don't go don't leave the stage don't leave the stage one last thing I want to say is those up on the stage now following that analogy we heard look out to the faces in the congregation that's where the game has been played the rugby players are looking up into the grandstands to use that analogy and saying you are the game you are the game you are the game you are the game the game's not happening yet game is happening there in your heart. Amen. Well, I want to say that you are.
church, we're going to keep believing, we're going to keep loving, we're going to keep fishing, and we're going to try our hardest to be here tonight to set a fire in this building. Because I thought this was going to happen tonight. You weren't supposed to be this excited this morning. We were keeping this for tonight. But why don't you bring the fire with you if you can be here? I know some of you can't. It's no pressure, no pressure. But, but you can bring the fire tonight. And bring people tonight. Rob is one of the finest preachers of the gospel anywhere in the world. Get on the phones, bring people. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thanks for your participation. Great morning. Thank you, Gavin. Blessings.